Welcome to Frankly Speaking. This is your host, Andrew Powell. Today, we are joined by Anatox expert, Jose Ramirez. In this episode, we will discuss the intricacies of making more, better quality pellets. What impact do standard feed milling practices and strategies have on feed quality? This is a very good uh, and complex question. And the main reason is because there's uh, several factors that impact pellet quality, you know. I'm, I'm just going to mention a couple of them. It, it's, it could be all morning talking about uh, different factors, but I'm just going to highlight the one that I have seen most commonly affecting pellet quality in the, in the industry. And for example, if we look at throughput, you know, throughput is the production rate, what we want to achieve. Most mills, I say the majority of the mills, they want to maximize their mill capacity. So they want to push the more, the much more quantity of feed, right, the most they can mm-hmm. uh, through their system. And they might sacrifice some things that are going to be uh, impacting their pellet quality. And things such as, for example, I'm going to just mention something like, no, we have steam quality, you have die sizes, grinding uh, quality, we have cooling efficiency, conditioning capacity. All those factors may uh, intermingle and may affect your performance in terms of uh, pellet quality. So just going to go in a bit more deeper, for example. If you look at some of these ingredients, like the ingredients matrix, there are some ingredients that are more what we call it palatable, or they have what we call a palatability characteristic. What this means is they're more easier to cook, to condition. They're like sticky. They bind better and, and, and they help to improve pellet quality, like wheat, for example. And and. That's a really good quality of starches, for example. And the other side, you have all the ingredients that are maybe high-end fiber that do not have that ability to bind together and create a real nice and strong pellets unless we have something on it that will make it sticky and gluey. Another factor, for example, can be also the particle size, right? So the smaller the particle size, the more uh, surface area it has exposed. So we can have a better conditioning, a better cooking, and it has more surface area, right, where the moisture can bind and create bridges and gelatinize between those small particles and enhance the pellet quality. So that's a, a kind of unique thing that sometimes we overlook, the grinding characteristic. And also, most common are one that, for example, that everybody suffers a lot in the industry, I say the majority, is when we add liquids. And in this case, specifically when we look at uh, fat, liquid fat. And the major reason is because fat interferes with the cooking process. It blocks the moisture absorption. It creates issue in terms of adherence within the feed particles. So it greatly affects your pellet quality. That's, I think, the number one ingredient per se that creates a lot of issues for the mill managers in order to uh, achieve a better pellet quality. So once we add, for example, more than 1% of fat in the mixer, we usually have a lot of problems in trying to uh, to maximize that pellet quality and have these ingredients cook and bind together because the fat is creating a, a film and not letting the moisture get inside and cook uh, well enough. Fat is one. Conditioning, there's a long, we could be a long chapter just of feed conditioning itself. The different types of conditioner, small, bigs, short. But in general, the industry, they manage what we call a short-term conditioning. Uh, it could be at 30 seconds, maximum, maximum uh, it could be 45 seconds in that range. We may not achieve a proper conditioning most of the times in order to have those uh, starches and proteins kind of cook there and bind very well and improve your pellet quality. And one of the last ones is like dye sizes. And this is a very critical one, the dye sizes or the specs. 
most mills in U.S. You know they know this that if they increase the thickness of the die or they increase what we call the compression ratio, that's the thickness of the die versus the diameter of the pellet. We can improve the quality, but it's, it will create a huge uh, burden to us. The higher the compression ratio, yes, the better the pellet quality, but your throughput, your production rate will go down. So it's normal to see here in the industry, especially in the U.S., that we want to keep that production rate and we want to manage that uh, mill capacity. We want to really increase the amount of feed that we could go through the mill uh, rate. You know, we want to really maximize that. Most of them, you will see they have a very low compression ratio. Or they might have a die maybe at a quarter and a half thickness, a quarter and, not excuse me, a quarter and a half, uh, inch and a quarter, I'll say better, an inch and a quarter or an inch and a half die thickness. And that's a very low compression ratio you can achieve there because they don't want to sacrifice their uh, throughput. However, it will not them, uh, let them achieve a very good uh, pellet quality. What parameters and methods should be used in order to evaluate feed quality? What parameters and, and methods? Yes. Uh, it's, uh, there are different things that uh, you can use to improve and measure your feed quality. Uh, for example, uh, the main, um, I mean, common one is the, what we call the Kansas State Tumbler equipment. And they, they have modified, not modified. What this means is they put a certain amount of feed, uh, of, of pelleted feed inside, for example, and it goes to a tumbling process. It could be 15 minutes, 10 minutes, depending what the company wants as a goal. And they might have some bolts inside or no bolts inside. What we are trying is to mimic what is the handling process of these pellets through our combined system, elevators, truck, and the farm level. And that's most one of the most common ones we use for pellet quality per se. Now, not only that should be measured, we need to look at the moisture level on it, the quality of that moisture that we're managing there, the steam quality that we have, that might have an impact. But in terms of feed quality, that would be one of the main ones that use what we call a pellet durability index. But more than that, uh, because I like to mention this, birds or swines or animals, they don't eat PDI, they eat pellets, right? So, and sometimes we forget how important it is to measure the amount of pellets that we have at the point of consumption of the animal. So if it's at the farm level, measuring percent of pellets at the farm level and percent of fines is a very good indicator of how that measurement of PDI correlates to what, what we are seeing at the farm level. What options and strategies exist in order to enable feed producers to balance productivity, efficiency, and feed quality? There are several options that we have in order to balance that production rate and also the milling capacity, let's put it that way, and also pellet quality or feed quality. But the one that kind of is the more uh, effective is what we call processing aids or milling efficiency aids. And the reason is that you can manage to increase your throughput by improving your conditioning or your processing of that feed. And at the same time, you can enhance and improve your uh, PDI quality or your pellet quality per se. If you just look at, for example, a product that improves your pellet quality, it may create a burden or it may create an issue in the production size and limit your efficiency in that side. And vice versa, you might get something that may improve your throughput. There are products that improve your throughput, but they don't do nothing at all to improve your pellet quality. Processing aids uh, are very effective tools. And here at Talks, we do have processing aids and we can work together to improve your milling efficiency and at the same time achieve 
an improvement on your pellet quality. How can producers really determine if their mill has additional bandwidth for increased efficiency? Key parameters such as grinding capacity and particle size could be a limiting factor in some mills. Looking at the dye specs, what they're using, the type of dye they're using, the compression ratio might be another thing. One thing to consider is also, for example, cooler size. Interesting. Sometimes we... We don't look at the cooling process. We make so much big improvements and investment in other areas. We forget about the the final stage, which is the cooling process. And then we figure out that, well, no, the cooler is undersized. Or maybe the retention time in the cooler wasn't the appropriate one. Or their airflow, the ventilation was not adequate. So looking at all those equipment capacity, coolers, pellet mill capacity, conditioning capacity, and current parameters that they're working on uh, will give us a very good idea if we can work together and assist the mill managers in achieving a more uh, efficient production process. Let's put it that way, you know, more production, but also efficiently, we want to achieve it that way. And at the same time, improving what they have, uh, their pellet quality or their finished fee form quality that they want to achieve. How do the tactics designed to improve physical fee quality impact milling efficiency and profitability? Mill equipments are a big capital investment. So many companies look for maximizing, like I mentioned, their resources, you know, what they currently have, what they want to improve or throughput. But at the same time, they're concerned about, yes, you know, what is their final product or their final customers, what they want to achieve. So in, in the last years, specifically with the high uh, fee prices, it's been a lot of attention trying to look at what we can do, you know, how can we work together or what options we have in the market that could help us improve the pellet quality and the milling efficiency at the same time. You know, they have to go hand by hand. And this might change for like, for example, for mass feed or pellet feed, they're not the same. You don't have a conditioning process in the mass feed, but in the pelleting, yes, we have. So this additional thing we need there. And looking at that, you know, how do they sign is working together with the uh, feed techs and industry, working together with, as a team with the nutritionist, with the live operation. This is not just a milling uh, decision. Uh, as a team, we need to work closely with the life operation, also nutritionists on what is the final outcome that they want. Any final thoughts on pellet quality and milling efficiency? So at the end, when we look at also uh, the latest trend in the industry, in the feed industry is, is looking at sustainability. And so, so sustainability means how do we maximize all these resources that we have? And in this case, is how we maximize our ingredients, all these resources that we're getting and processing it in an effective way and manner in which at the end, the animal can use those nutrients properly and convert into a protein or meat or egg products that at the end, the consumer will need. So working together, right, with the mill managers and considering having in mind that, hey, this sustainable effort that the industry is, has been one of the uh, leaders and pioneer in the world, because we maximize the byproducts and the value of those uh, ingredients and convert them to something that really is something meaningful for the human, right? Human consumption. So um, we work about, when we talk about milling efficiency and when we talk about pellet quality, that really is the bridge. We like the bridge between those natural resources and at the end, what we want to achieve in terms of outcome of the, in the animal side. 